I want to review something that I've been chewing on in recent weeks and, uh, and then get into the topic of forgiveness. In relation to um, marriage in particular, I've been looking at the whole thing of differences in spouses. And, uh, you know, there are obvious gender differences in looks. But we spent a generation trying to make the genders the same. And there's a certain confusion in our culture right now as to what, what's actual difference and what isn't. And so when, you know, you can say, yeah, obviously there's physical, visible differences. There are physical differences, but there's also mental and emotional differences as well. And what we tend to do is want to, in our relationships, pull others into acting like us, and it doesn't always happen. It's not supposed to happen. And so rather than appreciate those differences and glory in them, we tend to fight over them. And so um, if we're not thinking the same, we tend to say, well, you need to get your act together. Or if we're not on the same page emotionally, we're, you know, she's going, you have no idea of your emotion. You, you don't have emotions. You know, you're dry. And he's going, you're always flying off. You know, well, you know, I'm, I'm convinced that uh, my wife helps unwrap me emotionally. You know, come in contact with them because I've spent half my life trying to squelch them so I can think clearly. You know, it's a difference in, in approach, but it's an appropriate difference. And, and when we start to appreciate that is when we really start to function in health. Well, there's those differences, but there are also gift differences. And so when you link with others, you know, like the body of Christ is supposed to appreciate the differences that others have, the different gifts, because it, 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 it develops the whole in a way that is unknown, except that we have varying gifts. When you do that in close quarters, again, there's a tendency to say, why on earth do you do that? You know, and when are you going to get your act together is, is not necessarily declared often if you're smart, but it's intimated, you know, that if you would just do it this way. And, and rather than saying, we think differently, but there's a beauty to that. Um, I, if you're a person that always sees what isn't done, you know, like, why'd you leave your clothes on the floor? Why didn't you shut the door? Why didn't you turn off the light? That's, that's more glass half full behavior, right? There, there is an appropriate time to just rejoice in the good things that have gotten done. And not just to have the list that's, that's there of what didn't happen. Uh, in this, back to the, the, the whole gender thing, you want to know differences? Make up a list, each of you, of what needs to be done. Individually. You know, and then you come compare them. And, and, you know, and I recommend doing that because then it's time to kind of chart out because us sequence guys want to get the first one done first. <laughs> no, but it, 
it helps you come to terms with the thinking of the other. So um, that said, let's go on to another area. There are natural, the gifts are a strength area. There are natural weak areas in each of us as well. Now, it's easily seen in kids where, you know, they, they can spill a glass of water. It's, it's not wicked intent, but there's a clumsiness connected, and yet they want another glass of water and to try it all over again. And in about number three, you're ready to just crush the kid, right? But it's, it is not an intentional tearing you apart that they're going through. They just, they don't have that ability yet or the coordination to keep it standing up. Well, in, in marriage, we, we're, there are times when we're going, your health is holding us back. Or you're going, you, you don't have any endurance. You just get tired and you stop. What's the matter with you? You know, or... or you're clumsy, or you're forgetful. You know, all of those things come out. Well, there may be truth connected to that, but when Paul was addressing his weaknesses, God said, I'm not taking that away from you. Paul says, I'm going to glory in those things. So, again, I know I'm reviewing, but <laughs> this is on me right at this point, and I'm just going, it's taken me years to get a handle on this. Hope you get it quicker. Um, there are weaknesses that you're going to live with, with another for the rest of your life, and it's better to embrace it than to constantly chafe. And if you're at the level of Paul, you're going to say, I actually appreciate these things. I'm going to glory in them. I'm going to enjoy that this takes place. Now, <laughs> That's a lofty goal, isn't it? But I think in the Lord that that's an appropriate endeavor. Now, <laughs> here's the thing I'm currently chewing on. Because we are imperfect people attached to imperfect people, there are sin and failure issues rooted to our selfishness that are going to be there for a long time. Perhaps our entire lives. And are you ready to release and forgive that daily over and over and over again for the next 50, 60, 70 years? You know, I, I'm, I'm walking through this and I'm acknowledging that there are times I think I've dealt with something and I haven't. I... Uh, Recently, I heard of something happening to someone that was of a negative nature, and my first response, first response, well, it's about time they got theirs. <laughs> because I've been on this page, so to speak, immediately the Lord is able to, to just send a dart in, but a door I usually keep closed, and go, uh, where did that come from? I mean, is, that sounds like a root of bitterness to me. And you're going, okay, you know, uh, 
I shouldn't have thought that. I should let that person go. Well, then, lo and behold, it's on to the next one. You know, and I am not quite sure how long this is going to take, but it's already gone longer than I wanted. Because it's opening the door of saying, you know, you, you declared nothing wrong here. But if your attitude is, can't wait till they get theirs, well then, no, you haven't released it at all. You, you've set it on the shelf, you've, you know, you've been waiting for the, the payback, but it is not the same as truly forgiving. Um, let's go to a definition of forgive. Now this is just a quick internet grab. Stop feeling angry, resentful towards someone for an offense, flaw, or mistake. Not bad for the internet. Uh, you know, or, or one of the other ones goes, stop blaming. But to just, you know, to stop letting this thing chafe you over a, a flaw that's going on or something that's connected. So that's, that's kind of a general idea. Um, you know, this started to crack open for me a few weeks ago, and we're looking at the life of Stephen, and I'm realizing his very last words are, you know, to he's asking the Lord, don't hold this sin against them as he's being stoned to death. But he's having a vision of heaven in that process. And it's clear enough to him of what's in store that what's temporal really has no significance. And he's able to, to release them in that moment. And I, I started looking at that, I'm going, most of my offenses or perceived offenses have, are significantly connected to the temporal. And I'm upset over something that isn't advancing mine or making my life easier or is, isn't done with me in mind. And, and so I'm upset that, that it's not working and they're, to me, part of the problem. So I, I'm angry that it's, in a sense, connected to my selfishness, but connected to the temporal, connected to today. It doesn't have that eternal perspective in mind, so to speak. It, it's just bound to this, you know, hey, this is going to be an ugly day if this takes place. But I, I, I have this opinion that if, if I catch a glimpse of what truly is in store and what the eternal is, then the temporal doesn't have as much power to dominate my thinking in this area. So Stephen, even being stoned to death and facing that physical pain, is going, hey, this is nothing compared to what's ahead. I release them. It's amazing to me, Jesus on the cross does the same thing, doesn't he? Father, forgive them. So in the moment of death, both these guys are going, it's temporal. Doesn't matter. There's more important. So I'm chewing on that. And, you know, I'm, you know, I go back to even to the life of Joseph and his brothers after the father had died. You know, they were the ones that sold him into slavery. You know, the initial thought, let's kill him, and then it's, well, no, we can make some money off of this. Let's just sell him. 
Um, that's, that develops some, that's some weird family dynamics, right? That's messed up. But they sold him thinking they'd never see him again, and then, of course, they do, and, and he has power over their lives, and he chooses to act kindly toward them. But when their father dies, it all flies back in their face because they haven't released this either. They haven't been able to forgive themselves in this, or they're afraid of his revenge coming now that dad's gone. And so in that moment, they come, oh, dad's last wish was that you'd forgive us. Nonsense. It wasn't at all what dad was saying. But they're frightened. And so, you know, please, and he goes, and he says, you don't get it. You intended evil, God intended good. So he's going, even though you were trying to destroy me, God had good plans for this. And so that pulls us back to saying, okay, if somebody is offensive in our lives and keeps doing stupid things that hurt us, is there a possibility that God is overseeing this in a way that he will bring good out of it in time? And through this story, we would have to say, yes, God's hand is so intimately involved in our lives that he can bring good out of the worst of situations. Let's go through a few more verses. Lord's Prayer. Forgive us our sins as we also forgive everyone who sins against us. So when he's teaching us to pray, in a sense, a a regular focal point of our prayers is to forgive us our sins as we forgive others. We are to practice releasing others. And with that same confidence to be able to walk before God and know His forgiveness. And so part of our understanding in Him is that, that just as we learn to forgive, we are imitating the one who forgives us. Mark 11 says, When you stand praying, if you hold anything against anyone, forgive them so your Father in heaven may forgive your sins. So he takes that a step further. It's interesting in 1 Corinthians, that definition of love, and you know, we read it regularly and we're going, okay, that's 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 sweet. But this keeps no record of wrongs has bugged me for years, you know. Really? How do you how do you not record? And so what I want to suggest to you, it isn't lack of memory. But if it's going back to our definition to stop feeling angry or resentful, it's like saying, yeah, that happened, but I don't look for any payback. I don't don't look to, to even the score, so to speak. Now, what rises up in us, where's justice? And, of course, we have to take that back before the Lord and trust him that he's going to carry out things as he sees fit from an eternal perspective. The danger is that we're so rooted in the temporal that we, we only see how to get it done 
from this vantage point, and that generally is rooted in our selfishness. But if we're truly going to adopt heaven's view, we have to be willing to see things through God's eyes and say, you know what, it's not that big a deal right now. Or he'll deal with it when he sees it appropriate. I mean, I'm grateful to God that he doesn't deal with all of my junk today or this moment. I would not be living. But he he finds the right time to, to bring this into our lives and say, I want you to take care of these things. I've told a couple of you, I, I'm, <laughs> when I was dealing with my personal loss, it took a couple years walking back through experiences as he brought things up. And I'm having to say, I really not, that was evil. I took glory in it. It was wrong. I, I'm hoping forgiveness doesn't take that long. It may take longer. If he keeps bringing incidences up to me that where I've, I've taken the wrong approach, so to speak. And I, I've harbored that, you know, and I, I have, I, I, I call it this way. I, I, God is rebuilding my memories into a holy visual, so to speak, where, you know, you look back at those things and you see it through his eyes. And so, like in the area of forgiveness, it's essential that you begin to release This is going to be so politically incorrect. The trouble I have with Black Lives Matters is that at some point, that community is going to have to release the hurt to truly step into healing. And any of us that walk similarly have to do the same kind of things. And our culture is all about reparations, and there's an appropriate time for those kind of things. But the truth is, until we're ready to release the way that we've been wounded in the past, we will never walk in full health in the present and the future. And so, you know, those are things that, that uh, in a sense, worry me about our culture. And, you know, we, uh, us whiteys have enough junk of our own, you know, to, to deal with, but there's, there are things that, you know, we have to look at and just say, uh, pray for peace, so to speak, and, and pray for true healing. I'm, I'm not going to go further with that. I have other thoughts. Um, so, in, in Luke 17... Um, Jesus says, things that cause people to stumble are bound to happen. People are bound to do things that are offensive. Woe to anyone through whom they come. That's not, what you, that's not the place you want to be. You don't want to be doing that kind of thing, right? He says, watch yourselves. Um, if your brother or sister sins against you, rebuke them. If they repent, forgive them. Even if they sin against you seven times a day. So he says, you don't ignore the situation. You don't refuse it. What is the, the goal of rebuking? What is that about? You're looking to restore relationship. 
You're looking to bring it back into health. It's not about getting yours, so to speak. So if you'll take that mindset, then there are times when confronting is absolutely essential. But you have to sort out, is it, is it because I want mine, or is it because I truly have a, a, a compassion for this person, and I want to see them in health? Um, you know, that's the challenge. And, you know, if I'm afraid to confront, well, that ought to send a warning to me that I need to deal with my fear. If it's just a selfish response that says, I'm sick of you acting like this because I have to pay for this, that's, a self, you know, that's wrong as well. But the challenge needs to be thrown out, but at the same time, if the other is willing to say, okay, let's be at peace, well then, obviously, you're, you can be restored if you don't cling to that junk and say, well, that's not good enough. <laughs> You know, and, and if you've been the offender, obviously you try to repair, right? Sometimes paying restoration is completely appropriate. Or doing a deed that brings back health to, to show your sincerity, that's completely right. But it's, it's that challenge of, God, where are you in this? What is, what is your heart in this thing? To, to find that out and then to walk in it. And, of course, the apostle Lord, increase our faith. I mean, for me to, to let this go, and to, uh, it's going to have to be you. In, the, in Matthew's telling of this, he goes into significantly more detail. And, uh, you know, Peter goes, uh, should I you know, do this seven times, and Jesus goes 70 times seven. In other words, it's an unlimited approach to this thing. Um, here's something. If, okay, if somebody does something offensive to you, your releasing allows you to walk forward in health so it's no longer clinging to your life. There's no true restoration or reconciliation until there's a meeting of the minds on the issue, right? But you will have people in and out of your lives that there's offense, and you may never get an opportunity to see full restoration or reconciliation. Does that have to cling to you or not? I believe what this passage is declaring is that if you're willing to release it and no longer look for the payback, it doesn't have to stick to you anymore. Do you have full reconciliation? Well, no, not until the issue is dealt with. But that isn't always our option. You know, through the years, I've had hundreds of relationships where there was kind of a, a, a jabbing, so to speak, and things went on, and you're kind of going, how do, you, how do you make that all right? Well, quite honestly, you don't get that opportunity necessarily. But is there a true, full reconciliation? Not in, in, in that area, of course not. But is that going to warp you and twist you in such a way that you're this embittered, angry person all the time? Or are you going to release it in the Lord so that you can walk forward in joy and peace? That's, that's the choice. 
Jesus goes on to, in that particular portion of Matthew to, to tell the parable of the man that's been forgiven a huge debt. And then he goes and tries to choke another because he owes him a few pennies. And the idea is that we've been forgiven so much in the Lord, you know, that we were, we were scheduled for death and scheduled for destruction but when Jesus washed away our sin in forgiveness, that was a, a, a lifting off of a huge debt. And so what we attempt to emulate is his pattern of forgiveness for us. And so we willingly, we willingly release others in the same way. And we have this confidence. You know what? I assume that when I enter heaven that there's a lot of what's going on in my life that's going to be forgotten. That's the great hope I have. Well, if it's forgotten from you as well, that means that maybe some of the junk we had in the temporal setting is just done in eternity. I don't expect to be walking around going, we need to get something straight here, remember? <laughs> Let's fix this quick. I, I think... I think that's done. I don't think... I think we're so caught up in other things that it's like, it doesn't matter to us. I was thinking of the story of the rich man and Lazarus. Remember, Lazarus was uh, longing for things to eat. The dogs licked his wounds. You know, it's a horrible parable as far as a picture. You know, you go, poor guy. He dies. He's caught up... Uh, the term is Abraham's bosom. He's, he's at a feast celebration, and, and the rich man who passed by him every day and saw him just dies and goes to hell, and he says, please send Lazarus back to one of my brothers. And, and, and God goes, uh, he's busy right now. Now, he, he can't do he's He's caught up in good things, so amazing things that... Uh, uh, the, the temporal is gone from his life. And, and Lord, help us to step into a similar understanding, so to speak, where the eternal is so awesome and amazing that uh, what's going on in the temporal isn't that significant. In fact, it's, it's insignificant enough that we can release on a daily basis. Now, this is important enough that Jesus, you know, he, when he's calling us to forgive us our debts as we forget, I think he's, he's actually allowing us to walk through the day and rectify things in him. You know, to say, okay, I'm letting it go. This is yours. I'm releasing this. And in the same way, the things that we've done that are offensive to have him say, I'm letting you go. I'm releasing you. You don't have to carry this. It's a beautiful idea. I'd like to read just a little bit more out of Romans and then close. Don't repay anyone evil for evil. Be careful about doing about what is right in the eyes of everyone. If possible, as far as it depends on you, live at peace with everyone. Don't take revenge, my dear friends, but leave room for God's wrath, for it's written, it is mine to avenge, I'll repay. If your enemy's hungry, feed him. If he's thirsty, give him something to drink. 
In doing this, he'll heap burning coals on his head. Don't be overcome by evil, but overcome evil with good. We get regularly get caught up in the ideas of, well, what's appropriate to confront? What's it? You know, again, I want to reaffirm, most of that is selfish-driven. Pride, you know, our own uh, arrogance, so to speak. And the challenge is to put that before the Lord and say, what, how do you see this situation? And what would you want out of me? And sometimes he's just saying, Keep your mouth shut. He's not always polite with me. He tells me to shut up. You know, it's like, just zip it. But, 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 you know. And that's the working out of this forgiving others as you forgive us. You know, it's that, okay, this is yours. We're done. And to just walk in that. And it, it's amazing the health that it brings into our relationships as we walk in this. And as we begin to release and we begin to embrace that, yeah, they're imperfect, but so am I. Thankfully, the perfect one is setting me free. God help us, huh? Lord, I thank you for this good day. I thank you for your scripture. It speaks life to us. I pray that in this moment, you will speak to our hearts regarding forgiveness. If there is one that we've offended that you want us to go and address that issue before, then bring that name to mind even now. If there's one who's offended us and we're having difficulty releasing, help us to see things through your eyes and to know what to do. And further, Lord, if there are issues of bitterness that we would have to acknowledge, I still wish for ill on that person. We pray that you'll help us to release them in this moment as well. Be lifted up, we pray. Amen. So, um, I've been married 37 years. That's plenty of time for offense to happen, one way or the other. There's been a few things. Trust me on this one. In pastoral ministry and leadership, there's the opportunity to offend and be offended regularly. Um, as a part of family, there's opportunity to offend and be offended. There's opportunity in community to offend and be offended. And, I mean, just like any of us, there's, there's hundreds of situations that way. What God is calling us to is something different. And to, to walk into a health that is impossible in any other setting. And so I encourage you, um, let's, let's walk this through. You know, the, the message is this morning, again, blended, right? And so God is saying, let's deal with this now. Let's take this on. So I encourage you, there's opportunity for prayer. Uh, if you want to just do that privately, just anchor down and get it taken care of before you get out of here. But uh, again, there's there are times when we need others to, to come alongside us and help us with these things. You know, it's like 
James, if, if one is sin, he'll be forgiven, but it's done in the context of, of community and, and others praying with us. So just encourage you that way. Make use of Bill. Wear him out. It would be great. Uh, and wear him out. <laughs> no. <laughs> yeah. But just uh, let's, let's allow the Lord to speak to our lives. There are others here that uh, function in ministry gifts. So, Lord, we just ask that our hearts be tender before you in this moment. I'm going to pray for God's blessing on you, remind you of a meal downstairs as well, and then release you to open-ended worship. May your blessing rest on these, your people. May they know the fullness of favor that you intend for their lives. May they discover with joy what it is to walk in forgiveness and to be forgiven and forgiving. Lord, I ask as each one goes into the community that you'll give them words of life to speak over others. I ask that you'll enable them to carry out the workings of your kingdom. Gift them with the supernatural, I ask. Be exalted and lifted up, I pray.